everyone. I'm Tina. And I'm Serena. And we are the Mental Health Mamas. Welcome to No Need to Explain. We are so glad you're here. First, as always, a quick disclaimer. We come to you not as mental health professionals or experts in the field, but rather as parents with lived experience who are on a mission to normalize the conversation around mental health. If you or someone you love is experiencing a mental health crisis, please seek professional support. You'll find a variety of resources in our show notes and on our website, no need to explain podcast.com. This episode has been brewing for a while, uh, in my head anyway, (laughs) um, for a really, honestly, a really long time. As our listeners know, mental health is not something I thought about growing up. Um, And that's probably likely true for a lot of us of a, and I'll put quotes around of a certain age, right? (laughs) Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would, I would totally agree with that. I do remember having some, I guess what I would refer to as exceptional teachers in elementary school who really kind of folded social emotional learning into what they taught. But I'm not sure that term even existed at that time. Uh, Or if it did, it certainly wasn't used to talk about what these teachers were doing. So I totally agree. And I would say we've talked about our Be The One campaign. I certainly had teachers who were that safe, Mm -hmm. stable, nurturing, caring person. Um, I I totally agree with that. And I don't think it was anything formal back then. I think it was just, and having been a teacher, it is definitely something that is folded into teachers Mm -hmm. and some not. So anyway, so the word social, emotional, learning and emotional intelligence, they were not part of my growing up. And yet over all of my 53 years, I've learned so much about mental health, my own mental health, that of my family and my friends. And the truth is we say it all the time. We all have mental health. Are you well, or do you need support? And it has really, for me, become a connection point. I would agree with that. Uh, I too knew so little about mental health and now it's just a part of everyday life. Um, And, you know, I can, looking back, I can actually recall pushing back on the whole idea when my uh, now 14 year old was little and struggling with what I would refer to as behavioral and maybe sensory issues, I was certain that I could, you know, find that solution. If I just looked hard enough, I was going to find the thing that was going to fix everything, maybe like a magic feather, right? And I don't know if you ever felt like that, Tina. Mm -hmm. We looked for it for a long time. Yes, Dr. Google, right? (laughs) So I think in some ways, I pushed back on the idea uh, of sort of a, you know, a mental health diagnosis or just, you know, uh, treating the mental health of my kids because it felt vague and undefinable. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that we talk about on the podcast is that when our kids are sick, we seek treatment. So, you know, an ear infection, we go to the doctor, broken arm, you're going to see a doctor and be treated. And then we echo that idea with mental health. If our kids are unwell, we should seek treatment. But I will also say at the same time, there's no blood test or a specific treatment for mental health challenges, at least not yet. Yes. And I would say because it is so normal for me and my family and my friends, it's still so very shocking for me to read some of the statistics on untreated mental health challenges. Um, 
from an article on constellation behavioral health and the quote specifically from a study from the National Institutes of Mental Health, 51% of adults in the U.S. with bipolar disorder and 40% with schizophrenia were untreated during a one-year study period. For any mental illness, the statistics were even worse. Just 43% of people with mental illness received treatment in 2016. Men are more likely to go untreated. Around the world, approximately two-thirds of people with mental disorders go untreated. Okay, so let's pull apart those statistics for a moment and look a little bit more closely at the quote. Um, And I'm curious about the definition of what they refer to as treatment. So we know that taking good care of our mental health requires a toolbox full of useful and accessible tools. We talk about that all the time. Mm -hmm. And so some of these stats might be referring to actual, like maybe very specific treatments, right? Like actual outpatient or inpatient treatment by Mm -hmm. psychiatrists or psychologists. Uh, So a therapist or medication might be part of your toolbox. And another thing to note, when I think about diagnoses, uh, those specific diagnoses of bipolar or schizophrenia, I wonder if the idea that they are, quote, untreated means that they're not taking medication. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't really know. But I also have to wonder about the statistics of individuals going untreated, you know, the, so the the statistic was from 2016, and it was a number of years ago. And now we know at this moment in our country, waiting lists to receive treatment are months and months long. That's absolutely true. Um, yeah, and and again, Serena and I want to be very clear, as we always disclose, we are not mental health professionals, and what we say is only informative and not diagnostic. And that said, we are going to delve into the topic a bit more, and we're going to talk about how to recognize signs that you or others need support, the levels of care, perhaps, and the ways we personally have sought treatment for ourselves and our people. Yeah, so I'm going to approach this as a parent, because we often speak with our parent hats on. And I would say that we saw different things in each of our kids that led us to seek treatment. And so I'm going to start with my team first, because she was the first one we actually sought treatment for. And I've mentioned on the podcast before that from the age of 18 months, she began vomiting daily and often several times a day. And I would say we went down so many different avenues to figure out what was going on with her. And like I said, you know, looking for those answers, seeking all the different professionals, and there were literally no answers. So we started to make some connections between, you know, sensory stimulation and the vomiting, but it didn't always add up, unfortunately. And it was actually an occupational therapist who was seeing her through early intervention that suggested we try some counseling for her. And again, I, I pushed back on this idea because it just didn't it didn't feel like it was going to fix what was going on. Um, and, and I would also say that she's a unique case in that mental health concerns don't usually manifest quite so early. And um, I guess I would say, you know, overall, we weren't functioning well as a family. And that was kind of the, the thing that pushed us in that direction. So, you know, we couldn't go to the playground. Uh, there were no play dates. Even going to the grocery store was virtually impossible. So ultimately, 
ultimately we sought out mental health support so that we could be more functional as a family. That was our hope anyway, and go out in public, which we did succeed at, you know, um, so that's good news. Um, And I will say that counseling continues to be one of the tools in her toolbox. But your oldest had a more kind of, I'm putting quotes around typical paths to seeking out mental health support. Yes, she did. Uh, I would say that she was a very sensitive child, just like her sisters. And I would put myself Mm -hmm. in that category, too. But there weren't any what I would call red flags until she was about 14. And I'm just going to insert here that according to NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Illness, 50% of all lifetime mental health conditions begin at the age, by the age of 14 and 75% by the age of 24. Right. So often we see mental health concerns rising to the surface in the teenage years, which of course there's a lot of stuff going on in the teenage <laughs> yes. years. So it makes it uh it makes it extra complicated. Um, so personally, what I saw in my oldest was this pretty happy kid. She loved to learn and go to school and then suddenly became a kid who wouldn't get out of bed in the morning for school. She wasn't sleeping well. Her grades were slipping. She wasn't doing her homework and she wasn't going to school. So some kids may take a more gradual slide into struggle She literally hit a wall and it was painfully clear that she needed support. So luckily, the counselor who was supporting her younger sister was able to take her on as well. And we were able to get her into counseling right away. And I just want to acknowledge that I know that isn't the case for most people, and especially right now that um, counselors are just not available uh, for people who need them right away. Um, But I'm curious. So, so Tina, what, what was your experience? Yeah, so I would say with my child, it was similar to your oldest. Um, it was a an earlier onset, but certainly a decline that was quick enough. And I noticed uh, that inability to certainly engage with the world. Mm-hmm. That that was the part that I guess we as parents trusting ourselves say, this is not what we've seen every day Mm -hmm. and we need to think about it. But I think I'm going to delve into this from my own perspective. Um, Those of you who are listeners know I was in a car accident a few summers ago and I sought help literally when I couldn't make it through the day. I had these intrusive thoughts that just continued to paralyzed me really. I mean, I wasn't able to do anything. And, you know, I was physically unwell also, which I think adds sometimes when you, when you are a person who has chronic pain, when you are somebody who has, you know, any kind of physical ailment as well as, you know, it it challenges you in, in any way. So I feel like when, um, when I did not feel like I had what I'd call a normal flow of my day, like I I really was sitting around more, not doing the things that I would normally do, um, I really was stuck in those negative thoughts. I needed support. And I just want to I want to point out here that I, what you just said was that you didn't feel like you could do the things that you normally do. Right. I think that exactly. Yeah. So that when you get to that point of you're not functioning. Right. Um, And and I wonder if I can share just a little bit from my perspective as an outside observer of what was going on with you. Sure. So (laughs) she says. Mm -hmm. Um, So two things. One, I would say um, you cried a lot 
I would say more than usual, right? Um, My mom would say that's not unusual, but I did. (laughs) I do remember. (laughs) No, I I hear you. And I like, I've had those moments in my life too. And um, for me, when I wake up in the morning and start crying, like that's bad. I know that that's, I really need to seek support at that point. I I honestly think that I was even crying in my sleep. Mm. I remember, you know, kind of waking up with, crusty teary eyes in the morning. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing that I noticed in you is that you would say things that were really out of character for you. Um, I I guess just thinking about you're a very strength-based person and tend to be Mm -hmm. an optimist, and that is not what I was hearing coming out of your mouth. Yeah, I was not in a good place. I was not in a good place. And I did seek support and uh, had a wonderful therapist that really helped me through that time. And I would never hesitate to go back. I'm currently not in therapy, but you know, I just feel like at any point I could be and I'd be fine with that. Mm -hmm. So don't hesitate if you are on the edge, seek seek support. So uh, uh, let's just go to this place of... You know, I was not at the point where I needed emergency care. Um, I think that's a tough place to be. And I've seen not only have we supported people in that place, you know, we've been there. It's a tough place to be. So let's talk a little bit about that leveling of care. While I didn't need emergency support at that point, I know that there is that need, right? Mm-hmm. So like calling 911. Um, calling 988, which is the suicide uh, crisis and prevention line, and you can text them as well as call them. So that might be the kind of top emergency, and that might also include showing up at an emergency room. Mm -hmm. Some communities, like the one you live in, Serena, definitely have walk-in hours for immediate care. And I I say that not lightly, right? Mm -hmm. Because we didn't always have that where we, where I used to live and you currently live. Um, I don't know about that in my community. I should really find out about that, but it's important. So um, really feeling open to get that care at that immediate level. Now you might also be at the level where you can wait for an appointment with a therapist, or you can make an appointment with your primary care doctor, which might be quicker than trying to see a therapist. Um, There might be a good referral um, procedure there. Um, And perhaps you're looking for some medication uh, to support your building of skills. And let me just say a little bit about that because it's an important, it it really is an important thing that came to light for me. Uh, Again, those of you who listen, though, I pushed back on medication for a bit. But when someone finally said to me, here's the thing. Medication allows that anxiety, at least, to to be brought down to a level where you can access those tools. And for us, my child was smart enough to know how, like all the tools on on a good day, all the tools were there and available. But when that anxiety rose to a point where it was unmanageable, um, none of those tools are accessible. Mm -hmm. So I think that is when they talk about the gold standard of medication and and, um, therapy working together, I think that's where it leveled out for us, right? So so that's super important. Um, And 
that, you know, it can just help you change your mood, help you support your brain health and really continuing to build that toolbox because it's important that we have the toolbox. All of us need a toolbox, not just people who are struggling, right? Right, right. Yes, we should all have that that toolbox, um, you know, beside us. I'm imagining it here beside me. Um, Yeah, just open it up, right? We need to be able to. I kind of feel like it's like the magic, like um, Mary Poppins in some way. It's like in my pocket or just this little thing and I open right. it up and all these things right. come floating awesome. out. <laughs> it's just my world. That's right. I yeah. love it. Yeah. So, so the, and, and what we're talking about with the toolbox, um, it's not necessarily about acute care that could be in your toolbox, but really we're talking about sort of that uh, preventative or maintaining good mental health, right? Exactly. So every one of us should have our toolbox to maintain that excellent mental health. So I'm curious, Serena, what is in your toolbox? So I think it changes sometimes, right? Or maybe it's all in there and I'm using different things at different times, but, um, Getting outside for a walk is definitely uh, is definitely in there um, all year. Not today because it's icy. Yeah, right? it's really icy. <laughs> so, yeah, a little dangerous. But yes, I try to get out year round. Um, in summer, uh, working in my garden makes me really happy, especially while listening to a good audiobook at the same time. Um, and I listen to audiobooks year round, so I just do different things while I'm doing that. Uh, I would say my four legged friends, uh, my fuzzy friends or fuzzy carnivores, as we like to call them. Uh, or a constant support. Um, they're nice carnivores. Um, <laughs> and and you have a really big fluffy big, one. Yes, That's amazing. <laughs> uh, Size of a small child. Right. <laughs> and it's a cat, just saying. It's a cat. Right. And there's a dog too, but yes, the cat is huge. <laughs> um, and, and I also find that learning new things like a language or just learning about something I didn't know about before is really fulfilling to me. So what's in that toolbox of yours, Tina? What's coming flying out when you open it up? <laughs> so I would say some things, like you said, are constant while others I totally revisit. So currently regular exercise certainly a tool that is making my brain feel good. I love to walk in nature. I do some strength training, which is good for my muscles. And even though they yell at me sometimes, it's a good, it's a good shouting. So it's good. Um, I also always have a good book at the ready when I need to just settle my body and read for a bit. I have a, I still have a book club in Ithaca, New York, which welcomes me to read the same books and meet with them. And I love that. And they keep me reading. So it's awesome. Um, I would also say, and this is going to shock you, (laughs) that sleep, sleep is a constant (laughs) for me. And um, I talk about sleep a lot, but I don't really get into the details, which I'd like to for a moment. Will you indulge me? Go for it. So I am really big on my sleep routine, which is quite multifaceted. Um, I start about an hour before I actually get into my bed, um, turning down the lights. I might still be watching TV, but I make sure it's not loud, that it's not news because news is that messes with my emotions and I don't like it. Um, I usually like something light and fun. Uh, but at bedtime, I actually get in my room, my room gets ready, a cool, I like it really cool and a fan, um, quiet, the lights off. I might read my Kindle for, with very low light for a little bit. In fact, last night my husband has hit, had his on super bright light. And I thought, <laughs> what are you doing? That's so bright. 
<laughs> and this week, um, a, a few weeks ago, I was totally thrown off by events and staying up a little bit later. And it, it really does kind of mess with me when things aren't, when I can't, when I have no mm-hmm. control. I hear you. So I'm curious about that sleep routine. Um, is it, you know, it, did somebody support you in creating that? Did you just kind of figure it out over time? Inquiring minds want to know. That is a really good question mm-hmm. that I've never thought about before, but um, I guess I would root it back to my mom who uh, she was such a good role model for sleep. My dad was a police officer and his schedule was a mess. He was seven to three, three to 11, 11 to seven, you know, whatever they needed him to do, he did that. And my mom always kept the four of us on a very good schedule and probably for right. insanity, quite <laughs> honestly. Bath, we had baths, we had bedtime. Um, it was just very scheduled and we we always ate at the same time and it was just really a good schedule. And I would say in my adulthood, you know, we have babies, things are disrupted and teenagers mm-hmm. disrupt things. You have to pick them up late from places. I know you're oh, living yes. <laughs> this right now. And, um, you know, the mental health struggles did not help with the sleep and, I think I just started listening to my body and really when I could control it, I did and tried to appreciate that good sleep routine. And I would say that's a great reminder that we need to model using all of our tools for our kids, uh, for us as parents, right? I would say that we can't expect our children to be able to access their own tools if we don't show them how we do it. Yeah, it's so funny because we talked a few episodes ago about um, like completing your stress cycle, Mm -hmm. right? So I saw this video um, a few days ago online, and it's a mom whose two-year-old is really having a moment, right? Just like screaming. And I don't know if it's the right term is tantrum anymore. It certainly was when my kids were little, but anyway, I've seen this video. Have you? And what what does the mom do? She runs. She (laughs) runs, not away from her child, but she like runs around a circle in her house, including her child in every pass. And by about the third time, the baby's laughing instead of crying. (laughs) So I just think that is a good model of completing the stress cycle, right? Like, oh my gosh, I could do a lot of things right now. And what I'm going to do is just run in circles until... I don't feel stressed anymore. Right. And oh my gosh, I love it. If you haven't looked it up, you should, because it's really <laughs> quite entertaining. And quite entertaining. So, so a few messages today from this episode that we hope that you might take with you today. Please normalize your feelings. We all have feelings. Feelings are normal, good, bad, and otherwise. There's no good and bad, right? It's just right. really about feeling all the feels. We will say it now and we will say it a hundred times more and maybe a thousand times more. We all have mental health. Are you well or do you need support? And if so, where might you look in your community? It's important to know. Mm -hmm. And being aware of what the signs of distress are for you or your children. We talked about a few of them. But what I would say is bottom line, trust your gut. If you think that you or your child is in need of support, please seek out that additional support. Exactly. And there, by the way, are tons of resources online about signs of distress. 
um, from suicide prevention websites to, um, I don't know, Serena, maybe we'll include some of those links sure, in the episode. Uh, we have some good parental links that we used to use quite regularly mm-hmm. when we supported parents face-to-face, which hasn't happened in quite a while with a pandemic <laughs> at the ready. So um, so continue to build that toolbox so that when you can access it, you have all those tools at the ready. And so podcast friends, we are as always grateful for you spending your time with us today and listening. If you get a chance, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, subscribe and share with others. It just helps our podcast get to more people, which means it's the longer uh, we can continue offering this podcast to the world. You'll find more content on our website, no need to explain podcast.com. Find us on the socials, leave us a voice message. You'll find that number in our notes. Uh, Tell us what's in your toolbox. We love of getting everybody else's ideas and mm-hmm. sharing them with the world or just call to say hi. And this is your gentle reminder to take good care of yourself while you are also taking care of your people. Thanks for listening. Bye.